Welcome to the When to Jump podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. This week on the show, Jeff Lee. He is the COO of A-Rod Corp. That is the company and business kind of empire uh, all around Alex Rodriguez, the former pro baseball star. Uh, on the uh, business side, Jeff does a little bit of everything. He works closely with Alex along with Alex's uh, girlfriend, Jennifer Lopez, running all different sorts of business operations and uh, negotiations and organizational structures and processes and systems. Uh, Jeff has a uh, law degree from Yale and a business degree from Stanford. Uh, he was teaching in a course when I caught up with him and had the chance to interview him. Uh, he was a guest lecturer, actually in the same course that I would end up guest lecturing in um, all around strategic pivots. Uh, and he's just a fascinating guy with so many different jumps uh, from beauty pageants to law to, uh, to, to most recently, you know, riding the, the red carpet uh, walk with, with J-Lo and A-Rod. And he's just got a, a, a very interesting sense of earnestness. And he just he's really done it all. And he's had an amazing uh, career that he's uh, been nice enough to, to drop in on the show and tell us about. So without further ado, one of the most entertaining, interesting fascinating stories on the when to jump podcast my conversation with jeff lee jeff lee joining me the coo of a rod corp thank you so much for for coming on the show uh you know it's a real pleasure i love to talk about myself and what better forum than this podcast (laughs) well from about four different sources i was told that we had to sit down and uh, we're actually sitting in a classroom that just a few hours ago you uh, got up in front of a class. We're here at Stanford Business School, and you told a story. And it, it sounds like from the early reviews, it was a, a jump story for the ages. Can you give just a little insight on wh- maybe even just what you were thinking before we get to what it was about? Well, you know, the first th- thought that I had was, oh, yes, I finally get to talk about myself because I love doing that. And, you know, <laughs> on top of being an un, you know repentant um, narcissist, uh, what I really wanted to do for this class, uh, which is entitled Pivot, you know, talks all about the second stage for people, whether or not that's a full career jump or something within an existing um, employment role, is I wanted to give them a picture of not only my very unconventional paths through life, uh, because I've had a couple really bizarre and unexpected pivots, but also some of the thinking that went behind it and some of the preparation that helped me say, okay, now is the time to jump. And so what I did was I first laid out for them my very traditional trajectory, which is, you know, I did the Stanford undergrad grad said I'm going to be a lawyer um, spent my entire undergrad experience preparing for law school went to Yale for law school and then said I have to be number one I had enormous imposter syndrome from not being one of the first people to be admitted to my Yale law school class so I said I have to prove to people that I can be number one and the great thing about being in law is that everything is ranked there is a number for your value in every possible sphere and not only that there are a finite number number of possibilities coming out of law school and even those options are ranked the you know there's a conventional wisdom that's more prestigious to get x job and in the public sector and the law firms are ranked so of course i wanted to be at the number one law firm that's where my plans went south i ended up at the number three law firm at the time sullivan and cromwell um had a huge inferiority complex but the number one law firm wachtel came calling two years later and i of course jumped and i ended up there it was two of the most difficult but rewarding times of my life and then I said okay there's there's really a need now to pivot and 
You know, throughout all of this, I, I'm a man of many weird and bizarre interests, and I do two things with them. I pursue each of them until I've exhausted the subject matter, and I usually try to credentialize myself in them. And that's the reason why I ended up not only with a JD and then later an MBA, but also an AJP, which is a basic jewelry degree from the Gemological Institute of America. I am a certified personal trainer, um, have a CPR AED certification on top of it, notary public, a real estate broker. But the point of it, though, was that I always had this fascination with the Miss Universe pageant and actually had a side hustle being a beauty pageant coach all the way from um, college onwards. And so my pivot, I thought, would be doing that full time. And as it turned out, it didn't work out. Um, you know, the pageant was sold to WME IMG, and I ended up coming to Stanford for my MBA, uh, on the, actually on the day the pageant was sold. And I really had said, first of all, it was time to jump and to leave this very lucrative job of mine that I had worked my entire adult life for. Because it hit me one day that I had reached this, the, end, the natural end goal. You know, other than making partner, there really wasn't much more to do in this job. I didn't feel that I was performing at that competitive level I had before when I had the fire in the belly. And I loved this place, Wachtel, too much to say to them that I was going to half-ass it and still collect my paycheck. And I just felt that wanderlust. So, you know, I took the students through the process of not only kind of making this abortive effort to go to Miss Universe, but then using my business school time, of which there was a lot of free time, to explore and credentialize myself in all of those things I mentioned. And coming out of business school, I still was quite lost in a way, but after two or three months decided I was going to go into a skincare startup and go for it myself. Natural outgrowth from the beauty industry and all of that. And then of course, uh, a year later, um, I get the call and Alex Rodriguez wants to meet. And I go, who? <laughs> I think I'm the only person in the Western hemisphere who didn't quite recognize the name. And then I was like, oh, the baseball player. And I'm furiously Googling and Wikipediaing him. And I actually was quite hesitant about it. Um, the person that made the call was Allison Kluger, a dear friend, uh, incredible mentor, um, and my instructor along with Tyra Banks in a personal branding class at the GSB, the, at the business school. And Allison said to me, Jeff, you never know what the opportunity might be. You should just go ahead and hear him out. And I said, Allison, I don't know anything about baseball. It's going to take me weeks of work because I'll never walk into a meeting unprepared. But I'll do it because you recommended me. And I value your recommendation too much to do anything less than 800% um, of credit to it. And so, you know, I went and I met with Alex. And by then I had done an exhaustive background uh, orientation on him that started by looking at his Wikipedia article and then clicking on the Wikipedia definition of baseball. And then I, I also had polled 50 people about him and across all these different metrics because his job was originally to consult him on media. And I think it actually kind of impressed him. He was like, hmm, interesting. And the following week, he flew me out to L.A. and I met with Jennifer and um, Jennifer Lopez, um, who needed no introduction, fortunately. And I had my first experience when we were on the way to the guest's red carpet. And we're in the car. It's just me and the two of them. And by the way, I'm terrified because I had an hour's notice. Alex goes, you're coming with us to the red carpet event. Then... Kate Upton drops a Me Too bombshell against the guest co-founder, um, the man who had actually spearheaded Jennifer's campaign and had that vote of confidence in her to be a guest girl, a guest woman. And 
in the car ride over, we went through all the steps of crisis management, of what she would say, what she would do, how we could contain that. And I think that was my first experience of you know, showing them that I could be very even-headed in a crisis. Um, and, you know, you had you really in that moment, first of all, understand that these are people who are people. Right? They're, even though Jennifer is a global superstar, this is a huge night for her on a personal level, and now she has to go through all the emotions that would attach to anyone being put in this situation. But she can't show any of them because already the car is being tailed by the paparazzi and her every expression is being scrutinized. Then on top of it, you have to walk them through the what ifs. You know? I think being able to walk her through that situation in a calm and reasoned way and being able to follow through in, in the weeks afterwards um, I think uh, went a long ways to showing that I could be trustworthy in those situations. And, you know, it, from my perspective, it, it really harkened back to when I was a lawyer um, dealing with hostile takeovers, um, which is our specialty at Wachtell Lipton. And you're walking these CEOs through really the most epic and emotional times in their careers. Frequently, it's... Um, involving a company that the person has invested their own blood and sweat into and that's under an activist attack and people feel personally threatened in those situations and you have to be the calm-headed um, lawyer or even just voice of reason and being able to tie that skill set back over control c control v as my good friend Agana um, would say um, uh, it really just illustrated to me the fact that, okay, you know, this is a world that I really didn't think I would be in, but these are people who are not only inspirational, but open to my advice and counsel and um, that I could see making a career for myself. Well, boy, there is a lot there. <laughs> I love it. These are the best interviews, by the way, because you have so much to say on the topic and so many, there's so much, so many nuggets here. So I want to try to unpack a few of it. There are not many people that I've interviewed on the show who have related a career at a, a white shoe New York law firm doing hostile takeovers in the corporate world to counseling Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez in a car going to a red carpet ceremony. Did you ever see those dots connecting? No, and I think it's fallacious to try to, you know, what is it, in Steve Jobs' words, try to connect the dots in hindsight, right? I just, you can do it. And it can create this incredible pattern recognition and then the, the kids can take notes on it and then they can try to replicate it. But they can't because the fact is the facts happen the way you made those choices. Most of us don't make these choices thinking out the grand plan. And if you do, um, you might not be doing it right when it comes to pivoting. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I had always envisioned myself being in an enormously rewarding profession, but that definition sometimes had two meanings at any given time. So it could have been working full time in a beauty pageant or being a law firm partner and having the freedom to kind of do a little bit on the side of the other things that made me happy. And so that was always kind of the impetus, which was let me just double down on what excites me the most right now. Doesn't mean it has to be the exclusive thing that it doesn't mean that I can't parallel track, but let me just double down and exhaust it because, you know, it's like it's like romance in a way, although I'm really not an expert on that subject in any way. I'm expert on failing at it. But, you know, when you feel that feeling, 
it is a disservice to let anything stand in the way of seizing it and riding it until the natural end, no matter where it is, whether or not it is on the track that you set out for yourself. Well, that's such a profound point because it goes back to what we talk about a lot is these these side jumps you make before you actually then go and, and take the plunge. And it's not all or nothing. It's not 100% or zero. It sounds like you were doing several of those things to, as you said, test out and then fully invest in uh, while you're still working, right? And you have to be okay with those side projects never panning out. And in fact, sometimes you have to do it because you don't know how it's going to pan out. Here's the thing. Um, and I hope Jennifer is listening to this right now because, <laughs> you know, she doesn't know. You know, I met her ex-husband, Mark, um, at a Miss Universe pageant, right, when he was still married to one and he was judging. And I couldn't have told you that 17 years later I would be working for her, you know? Like, it was just going to your question. No, I couldn't have planned that out, that specific trajectory. But I didn't do Miss Universe or beauty pageants because I had that absolute end goal of reaching the title. I did it because it brought me so much joy to to be in the moment. You know, there is... The, the, the greatest kind of excitement I had doing it was always that feeling of like an hour, two hours before the show's about to begin. It's electric. You know, you see it in the girls that you've coached for so long. You see it in everyone around you. It is an Olympic competition. It's international in flavor and character. And that's, some, that's the adrenaline that, you know, that makes you do something you love for no money at all, which is what I was doing it for. But a lot of these small pilots can be unconscious pilots. I actually think that if you're doing a pilot intentionally, you are sometimes setting yourself up for repeated, um, accrued disappointment. If you say, I'm going to keep, I'm a pilot list, and if it doesn't work out, I'm going to pilot list, and if it doesn't work out, pilot, no, it's not how it should be, I think. A true pilot is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pilot list, and I don't know what the end goal is, but I'm going to get the enjoyment out of the piloting. I don't know how long I'm going to do it, and if it becomes a success, yes, absolutely, but I'm just going to enjoy the freaking ride. You know, I did this other thing in law school, which was I said, I'm going to go and work out at every Equinox in the world. Because, and it wasn't like, there was no intention at the end. It wasn't like I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to go and like become the brand ambassador for Equinox. It was just like, they're not going to pay me. I knew that. They're going to, like, they're just at best going to be like a little weirded out and maybe give me free merch, which is spoiler alert what happened but i just said i love equinox so much because i'm a weirdo that way and i love going to the gym and it's this one gym that i only go to you and i've been to 60 percent of them i just want to go to every other one and in the process i'm going to go to cities that i'd never go to otherwise and see people i haven't talked to in a million years and it's just going to be fun and the thing about it was it's it is i just find joy in it it's like, is this a pivot that, that was going to become full-blown career? No, I, you know, it's just something I enjoy doing. It's a thing. It's weird, but it's a thing. But then you could draw the line and say, oh my God, Jeff, this also got you to where you are because Alex Rodriguez likes to say to everybody, including the management of, the, of this gym chain, which he knows very well, I hired Jeff not because of all his fancy degrees, but because he's like the only member that worked out at every Equinox in the world and it showed that dedication. Great. That's awesome. It like helped me get the job. Was it dispositive? I don't know, but it did end up showing a part of me that I couldn't convey to him simply by saying anything else. So 
That's an example of where I think the pivot, you know, completely, you know, there was a pilot, I guess, you, you can talk it through whatever framework, but it was just really, um, you know, it brings me great joy, you know, and it doesn't have to have any other end point than that. That's, that is such a key point because I think one of the things that it sounds like is, is big in this class that you spoke in on strategic pivots is being authentic and staying authentic to who you are and doing things at times for no other reason than going to Vancouver to check in, to go do something that brings you joy. And I think in our community, a lot of times we talk about listening to that little voice in your head. And sometimes that might have a through line to a career or a startup or a line of work. But a lot of times... It can just be, I want to go work out in new equinoxes, and that's okay. And oh, by the way, sounds like that changed your life down the road, right? Yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing, right? It's, you, you know, everybody has passions. And I happen to be, I think, one of those people that has 48 different passions, and I go and... and I have one that seizes my attention and it'll always be a part of me, but I keep moving on to a new one, but then I'll go back to the old ones. Some people have just the one. And in that case, Lynn, you can still kind of push the envelope and you can still say, what about this have I not exhausted? And that's a pivot in and of itself. For example, if I only loved fitness, which is like, I mean, maybe half of the like Instagrammers that I see out there, hashtag fit fam, like you only love fitness, fine, okay, great. Turn at least your Instagram into a work of art to find some new artistic way of photographing yourself or your selfies or do something different with that love because that's, if that's also your career, you owe it to yourself and to the people out there to put something nutritious out there, which is something outside of your own comfort zone that might, might take you off this path or might not. The other thing that I would say about joy is... You know, again, I have come from a perspective of winner take all for so long, meaning that it was all about success and achievement, about wins on the board, and then taking that inferiority complex and defeating it by putting more wins on the board. Now, finding joy also took different forms because, you know, I had a very close friend named Lena Tedelbaum in law school, and Lena and I competed in a very frenemy type way quite frequently, but we had a friendly rivalry, but she got Wachtell Lipton, the number one law firm, when it was always going to be the case that I was supposed to go be the law firm partner, and she was going to do something crazy and unconventional. But three years later, um, you know, there's an opening at Wachtell, and I go, and I, I, like 100 people apply. Like everybody pretended that they weren't applying for this opening, but they were applying for it because Wachtell never laterals corporate associates in, and like it's, you know, it's double the pay, double the prestige uh, of every other law firm. And so we were all applying for it. And I was like, I am not going to let this one slip by. I'm getting in my ass into this fucking firm. And, you know, I want to work here so freaking badly. And I prepared like crazy. I mounted a full blast campaign. It took months and months of interviewing. And apparently I aced the interviews on the competency question, but they were terrified by my competitiveness and assertiveness and thought that I would be a bad fit for the culture. Lena writes this letter to the partnership saying almost verbatim, I know it is diametrically opposite to all my personal interests because as a third year, we're competing directly now for advancement in this firm. But Jeff is the reason why I became a corporate lawyer and he is an inspiration to me and you absolutely have to hire him. And she mounted this campaign to get me hired. She got me the job. And 
You know, getting that call is still the greatest professional achievement of my life. You know, out of all the crazy things I've done, it was getting that call, that sense of validation, and also the ability to work at a truly special place. And the thing is, you know, earlier this year, Lena went out for partner, and it was a hard-fought election by, you know, in, in our class because there's so much talent out there. And Lena would have made it anyway because Lena happens to be the smartest person I know. But here's the thing. She's representing Alex and Jennifer and myself in um, one of the most consequential deals of, you know, of, of our business relationship together. And having Alex and Jennifer write that letter and recommend her to the partners and really help her with that campaign certainly helped push her over, I have to think. And being able to pay that forward after all that history together was joy. It was one of the first times in my life that I had found joy in the success of others because I just found pure joy in the fact that she had made it, that we had helped her make it because I care so much about this institution. I truly believe she will make Wachtell a better place um, for her unique talents and skill sets. And if we could have helped her be recognized for it, that was true joy. This was just more like, you know what? I am so fucking happy for you. And I get that joy and satisfaction. And if that's how you find joy now, how do you think about finding joy in your life going forward? And how can other people who, and listen, I can relate, even I think we're all human here, we can all say to that, that mindset when you're, you want to be the best and when you have that drive to succeed, it can be so overbearing and it can be so many blinders on. And you described one way to just kind of knock them down in this instance in your friendship with her. Is there a way to make that systematic so you can continue to find joy in a different way going forward? I think, you know, you can't find it until, A, you're happy with yourself, um, with your level, especially for type A people, like the ones we're surrounded with here at Stanford and all the other institutions I went to and, and worked at. Um, until you're satisfied with your own level of achievement, that you don't have anything left to prove. Those are prerequisites, I think, to finding true joy in the success of others because I think the type A mindset does veer you towards a zero-sum game or towards trying to find the advantage for you going forward. But to keep it sustainable, you know, I think about the responsibilities with which I've been charged for now two people. Um, before, I had always been loyal to institutions, and now I'm working for two enormously talented people but I'm also with them and I see their daily challenges I get you know this this very close proximity to the human element of it as well familiarity can breed contempt but it can also breed even more respect and can breed a sense of um, duty and a sense of obligation and for me it's the latter um, these two people Alex and Jennifer have trusted me with the security of their brands of their image of their public reputation of their business ventures but also their personal security and um, as the person that oversees their um, even their operations in that respect I I feel a great deal of weight in that but I also feel a great deal of joy, the same way that Debbie Izzard, um, Jen Jennifer's um, chief of staff for 18 years, has told me. She finds joy in making Jennifer's life easier in ways so that Jennifer can go do things that make the world a better place. Right. So that's a long-winded way, as has been the case throughout everything else I've said tonight, of saying that it doesn't matter if 
it, you know, uh, the context, it's always going to boil down to the person, you know, and if you have enough regard for them and for yourself that you can find that joy for them. And so I'm, I think, in a fortunate place that I'm surrounded by titans, and I don't mean by achievement, but by people who are true moral compasses or paragons of qualities I want to emulate, who, when they are successful, I just, I look at that and I say, I am so proud to have been part of your life versus always comparing myself to them before. Now what I find when I'm proud of someone, if it's Lena or if it's Alex, if it's Jennifer, if it's Debbie, if it's Ashley, who's our EA in our, our company, an incredible person, if it's Allison Kluger, my mentor, when they are successful, I'm just proud of them because I know what good people they are and how hard they worked for, what, like for, for, for the goal they got to. And I just, I, I feel complete having been a part of that in some way. Well, I think that that is, um, it's almost a sense of how do you want to, what, what legacy do you want to leave? What kind of impact on others do you want to make? And what kind of impact do you hope others will make on you? How do you surround yourself with this, the right people, right? You know, you, I surround myself with people who, I, who keep me grounded in a sense. Um, one of my best friends is a um, gyne um, gynoc, a gynecological um, oncologist. And another one is a federal prosecutor in the SDNY. And I look at Courtney and Alini and, you know, I have days where I truly feel like I am under the gun. You know, I could not deliver on something that's going to be on the front page of the New York Post tomorrow. But then, you know, I, you know, Courtney and I, um, you know, share an apartment in, when we're in L.A. And, you know, I'm driving up and I have 5 a.m. start time. I'm exhausted, whatever. And I'm woken up at 12 midnight because she's been caught into the operating room to operate. And when I'm with Eleni, I know that she is working on matters that are consequential to the security of this nation, to our livelihood. And it's not just a magnitude of what they are doing, but I look at them, what, how they are getting through that, that challenge in front of them. And it is always with this great sense of purpose, but also real satisfaction, even in the hardest days of their lives. I think, you know, seeing their sense of duty and obligation and also satisfaction may you know inspires me to keep doing that myself right and you know i i think at the end of the day too in terms of legacy you know, I, I i'm still in that place right where i'm realizing what a selfish person i was for the first 33 years of my life and it was all about how I'm going to leave behind an incredible Wikipedia page that's going to have me invited to great sexy panels and profiled in awesome magazines and have people look at me with adulation because as a bullied kid, there's nothing more you want than respect, right? And now I look at it as I will die very happy if I look around and I can say, you know, I was a great uncle to my sister's niece, you know, to my sister's daughter. Uh, I was a great friend. I, you know, I was a great student and I was a great brother to Alex and, you know, a great advisor to Jennifer and a great, you know, um, just kind of shoulder to cry on for the people that needed it. Um, still working on that. Oh, amazing, Jeff. Well, I know you have a crazy crisscrossing travel schedule that takes you, I think you were saying before we went on air, 130 days a year in the air somewhere. Uh, you obviously have a million things to do and I so appreciate on such short notice the day that you're able to come in and guest lecture that you're able to spend some time on the show. Jeff Lee, the COO of A-Rod Corp, thank you so much for coming on the When to Jump podcast. Thanks so much, man.
All right, that will do it. Thank you for listening to the When to Jump podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jeff. For more on When to Jump, you know where to find us, whentojump.com. whentojump.com forward slash book can take you to where the paperback edition of When to Jump is out. Check it out. Get a book. It's great to bring to the beach, throw in the backpack, put in the tote bag. Uh, Same great content, just in a smaller, easier to uh, maneuver form. Follow us on social at when to jump across all the different devices and social platforms. And if you've got a jump, we love to hear it. So please do send it over. You can send it through our website or social media. Send us a direct message, any of that stuff. My name is Mike Lewis. Thank you so much for joining the When to Jump podcast. I'll see you next week.